0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers podcast, it is episode 51 and we are joined by yet another very special guest. The original goalie of the Columbus Blue Jackets, nearly a 20 year goalie in the NHL, Ron Tugnut joins us on the podcast to drink a beer, to talk some hockey, as well as the current Blue Jackets and all the drama surrounding that. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, a little bit about the game and the stuff surrounding that. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 51 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go find us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram. Find us at The Garage Beers podcast on Facebook, and you can find us at The Garage Beers. I don't even remember our name, The Garage Beers podcast, something like that, on TikTok. Find us anyways. Uh, uh, We have a lot of fun on there. Uh, Joining you, as always, I am Michael Key. Find me at Garage Beers, Mike, online and with me over on the east side of Cleveland we have got Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad? Hi. Hi. Boys, I earned this
2: beer tonight. We just got the Peloton bike in and I did my first Peloton workout. Now I'm going to enjoy my
1: first post Peloton beer. woo Uh I, I recommend, as, as a fellow Pelotoner, I do love that bike. Uh, do the Power Zone classes first thing.
2: All right. All right.
1: So. Right. First thing you should do is power zone classes. That'll get you all set up for the whole rest of your time riding the bike. So that's my advice. That, w- that would have been nice to know before I did an
2: 8.7 hit
1: class. That's cool. That would have been helpful yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So Chad over there sweating himself into, into shape uh, on the Peloton. Uh, and down in Nashville, Tennessee, find him online at Garage Beers. Joe, it's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe?
3: That Peloton shit sounds like a cult.
1: Does it? <laughs> I it? Mean, okay I, I don't know. it's a good time i, I like it? my peloton i don't know I, i'm not the guy that i don't talk about it a lot like i just i just ride my peloton that's good that's good i think there's some people that talk about it a lot
3: i hear a lot of talk about it and it's it's almost like that i don't know it's like the in your face workout thing which i don't super love uh but then again i am just the uh biggest armchair fitness expert in the world as i sit in my chair for 16 hours a day and
4: <laughs> I,
3: I i struggle to get my uh, standing goal on my apple watch so maybe i probably should be talking about that
1: that's fair that's fair guys this is uh we're joining you here uh on uh right now we're recording wednesday february 10th it's this is one of my least favorite days of the year boys why we're gonna have fun on this podcast but this is one of my least favorite days of the year because here in Cleveland, we've got something called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame every year inducts new members into the Hall of Fame, right? And I mm-hmm. hate when they announce who the like, nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are going to be. And here's why. I hate the amount of people that think only one like when they announce it, all of like Facebook blows up and Twitter blows up because apparently a bunch of people out there think that only one group of like musicians should be included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like only one kind of rock and roll is cool for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it just blows up. My entire social media blows up with these people that are like. How could you include these people and not this person? Like, there are countless musicians out there, rock and roll or whatever. Like, why is this such a big deal every year? Why do people have to huff and puff and scream every year about this?
3: I was so ready to, like, fight you because I thought you were going to go the other way with that. No, hell no. And I was going to say, like, I I would imagine that the biggest gripe will be, like, why is Jay-Z in the nomination list this year? It's like, well, the, the guy, aside from his incredibly successful own career and even non-music related career it's produced rock albums and has countless influence on other bands that are not all in like the hip-hop r&b space like you don't have to be like the rock and roll superstar to be inducted into that rock and roll hall of fame like your contributions can come from elsewhere to the industry into that genre of music
2: yeah i just always assumed that's why i see those names on there because it's like oh it's i look at it and like it's the rock and roll hall of fame but uh, it's it's not the Music Hall of Fame. Why is Jay Z in there? Or House of, But I've just assumed that they contributed to rock music in well, and in, also in, the in some way, shape, or form.
3: The influences that they create on future rockers, like it's just you can't just be like, oh, that guy's a rap guy. Like, why? Well, why is Run DMZ in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It's like, well, they sure. influenced whole other genres of rock that would not have began without their influence on their own music
1: genre. You want to know what sure. the least. Oh, this, this drives me crazy. I get mad about that. You know what? You want to know what the least rock and roll thing is, is to, is to be super inclusive or exclusive or whatever I want to say and be like, and and say what is and is not rock and roll. Like that's the opposite of what rock and roll is rock and roll is supposed to push the boundaries. And like, that's the whole theme of rock is it's include it can be anything talk about Jay-Z for a minute. Jay-Z is a first time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominee. He'll probably get in. So let's listen to 99 Problems by Jay-Z. Okay. Like, do you not hear the rock and roll going on in the background? The heavy guitar and the drums in the background of that song? Like, you don't think that's influenced by rock and roll? Rap music can be rock and roll. Country music can be rock and roll. It can all be rock and roll. Rock and roll isn't just Led Zeppelin. Like it could be a thousand other different varieties of music. That's what makes rock and roll is it can be anything in it's rock and roll.
2: I just know a bitch isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's
3: for the
1: only real. Thing I know. Hey, for real. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and it, this isn't necessarily a Jay Z product, but uh, there is a producer called Danger Mouse, and he created uh, what's known as the Gray album. Which is Jay Z's Black album, vocals from that album, mixed with The Beatles' uh, ninth album, which is the White album. So they created the Gray album. Yes, it is. It's not on any streaming service yet. To find it in probably weird ways, but it is one of like the best compilation of like music that I think I've ever heard. It's just so cool and like it fits so weirdly good together. And like I know that's not like a direct Jay Z contribution, but like he had that influence to create that work.
2: Well, clearly they stole it from Metallica's Black Album and the Beatles' White Album, Joe, which are two rock bands, so Jay-Z does not belong in there because he stole it, because he stole
1: it. I just... It's... The the anti-rock and roll is to be like rock and roll has to fit into this category. It's got to conform to these things that I feel rock and roll are. That's the polar opposite of rock and roll. And yet, every year, it's like Oh, how can you put Jay-Z on there? What is this? The music? Listen, it could be anybody. They're all influenced by rock and roll. Go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's one of my favorite places. I go all the time. I love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Go look at the early influences. You've got country music in there. You got Hank handwritten lyrics by Hank Williams. You've got, you've got early like uh, like the down South soul blues. Uh, like It's all rock and roll. It all comes together to be rock and roll. And so, I don't know. I just, I, I always dislike this day because I love seeing the list come out. I love Jay-Z's on there. Mary J. Blights, the Foo Fighters is, on, they're on there for the first time. Iron Maiden's on there, like a crazy fun group. And yet we, uh, all I got to see is, is uh, how can this person be on the list? It drives me crazy. Drives me nuts. <laughs> So to get myself feeling better about that day, we've got an awesome podcast. We've got our garage beers coming up, uh, garage beers of the week. But uh, we're really excited because we've got our special guest, Ron Tugnut, joining us for our garage beers of the week coming up right now. All right. So now it's time for us to get into our garage beers of the week. But before we do that. We're really excited because our special guest tonight is joining us for our Garage Beers of the Week. So we're going to bring him in first. We're going to introduce him, and we are insanely excited for this one. Been looking forward to it for a couple weeks now. Uh, our special guest tonight, was an NHL goaltender who spent nearly 20 years playing at the highest level where he holds the record for most saves in a regular season game. He's got several franchise records for playoff performances, and he's the only goaltender to ever get the first franchise win for two separate franchises uh, between Anaheim and the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're really excited to bring in Ron Tugnut. Ron, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I look forward to this. Yeah, well, we look forward to it, too. This is, uh, uh, again, we've had a, a, a good time throwing it back to some of those early Blue Jackets days, and uh, and and this will be uh, nothing short of a great time as well. But before we get into hockey, let's get into beer. Uh, so, Ron, basically what we do on our Garage Beers of the Week is we just say what we're drinking – and then give it a little bit of your impression. Do you like it? How do you like it? What kind of, you know, what's it, what's it taste like? What kind of beer is it? All that. So we always let our special guests lead us off. So Ron Tugnut, what's your garage beer of the week this week?
3: I'm going to
5: crack her open. It's a, it's a Stiegel, which is from Austria. It's a 5%. It's a nice, smooth lager. And um, yeah, it's a, my golf course sells it on the golf cart. So it's got to be good. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: if it's right. a golf cart beer, it's got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is good. Very good. Oh, yeah. So, Ron Tugnut bringing the Stiegel from Austria. We got we got all kinds of international flair going on here. Uh, let's throw it down to Nashville, Tennessee. Joe, uh, we didn't even talk about this. That's the class of the beers. It's going to be that Stiegel. That's going to be the 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 high-class beer of the night because we reached out to you, the listeners, and it was recommended to us that we throw it back to another cheap beer night. So, uh, Joe, Chad, and myself—we're going to surprise you with some cheap beers. Joe, what's your cheap beer of the week?
3: Well, you—you you probably won't find this on a golf cart uh, anywhere. <laughs> 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 but uh, if you're at a, a gas station in Nashville at 8 a.m., you might find me buying a six-pack of this. Apparently, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I have just the ever classic Rolling Rock, um, mm. and it's kind of like the, the the croix of beers. It's like it's like bubbles with like just like a little beer flavor. Like sprinkled in on top. It kind of, the smell is like a, the, the floor of a bar. Um, oh. And you can just, you can feel like your feet sticking to the floor as you're walking around with this. So uh, it's delicious. It's what, I mean, like I really don't drink this a whole lot, but it's just very
1: nostalgic when I do drink it. And uh, I'm not mad about it. Joe, Joe, throwing Isn't it back that- to the it smells like the floor of a bar is how that got described. So and that that's a sounds, compliment. That sounds great. Uh I, I, so- I don't
2: I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that like you can I can just in my mind I can smell the yes. stale beer at like the bar. <laughs> <laughs> like like the old rundown bars. Yeah. <laughs> With just a hint of
1: bleach,
3: just like <laughs> you're walking yeah, to the bathroom bleach. and you finally like get your senses coming back to you, and you're like, "Oh, it smells weird."
1: <laughs> cool. Well, I hope you enjoy that, Chad, over on the east side of Cleveland. Chad, what's your cheap garage beer of the week,
2: gentlemen? I, uh, I, it was one of two things for me uh, when we were looking today. It was either Old English, <laughs> it was oh, old no. E, or it was. Uh, but I decided to head for the mountains of Bush beer. Oh my God! Yeah, that's right. I get, it's right. It's twenty five ounces. Dude, you, you, you get an extra. You get a, You get an extra ounce for uh, thirty eight cents
4: of,
2: <laughs> of Bush beer here. And just, I, I tell you what, just one sip of this, uh, I'll, I'll, just naturally, a ping pong ball just ends up in my hand, and cups are across the way from me. So I'm just going to play beer bomb throughout this entire podcast, if you guys don't mind. But uh, yeah, it's 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 not bad uh, for for a cheap beer. It's it's pretty smooth. I don't mind it at all.
1: I think that's going to be the theme of our cheap beers. Again, Ron Tugnut came with a nice, good Stiegel. So we appreciate the, the, the class that comes with that. But I think the theme is going to be, uh, how can these beers be bad? It, it's like <laughs> water with a hint of beer flavor. Like, uh, how, could you, how could that be bad? Uh, so that brings it to me. And I'm going to go uh, with... Our uh, our suggestion, how we got onto this topic, is again we threw it from the podcast. We threw it out uh, to uh, you, the listeners, and one of the suggestions was just strictly this beer. It came from uh, Travis. I think his name's probably Travis, but he's at f u e r s t four forced four, four on Twitter, and he suggested that we drink Natural Light. The oh old, yeah, old Natty Light. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I've had this since maybe two thousand and eight. <laughs> like I think that's the last time I had Natty Light. But I cracked <laughs> one open. Uh, it is the clearest of all beers that I've ever seen. It you can just it's wow. like the blue water the Bahamas. One. I don't, I, 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 <laughs> yeah,
2: right? I don't even know why I don't even know why you wasted time pouring it into a glass. You know what? Because this
1: is my podcast glass and I've got to do it. Uh, oh, okay. All right. And again, the theme runs the same. These can't be bad. Like, I, I no. can't not enjoy this. It tastes like beer, uh, slightly. It's got a hint of that. But it's not like somebody tried to make a crazy beer and then made it disgusting. It's just like a hint of beer in my glass. So
2: And, and, got and it triggers so many beer. happy memories. It triggers so many happy memories. Yeah.
1: This is very Bowling Green to me. This is very Bowling Green State University to me, and I'm having a good time with it. So yeah, Ron we, Tugna-
5: can't drink that. we can't drink that up here, guys, because if we go outside and it's minus 30, the cans will be frozen in five minutes. Yes. So we, <laughs> we got to go with something thicker. We got to go with something thicker than that.
1: God, what is the temperature up? The, are, are, you're up in Canada, yeah?
5: Yeah, it's been actually a warm winter, but uh, at nighttime, we'll get down to minus 20. Woo. For us, minus 20, which is for you guys would be, oh boy, I don't know what that'd be in Fahrenheit.
1: Oh, maybe, yeah, you're in
5: Celsius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys would be 30, maybe 30. Geez, how much you guys have? I mean, 38. Is that real low? 38
1: Fahrenheit? It's not great. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's not cool. real. It's cold here. Yeah.
5: Let's just say Woo. we have ice. Let's just say we're driving trucks on our lake up here. So.
1: Yeah, we're probably oh, about the same here in Cleveland. It's it's really like I think the high temperature is like eighteen degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, I don't so. know what that is. I don't know how to do that yeah. thing. But negative four Fahrenheit
3: is negative twenty Celsius. What'd you say? Jesus, negative twenty Celsius is negative four Fahrenheit. So Ooh, nope, absolutely <laughs> freezing. More power to you, Ron.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Ron brought the uh, the the good Garage Beer of the Week with the Stiegel, and then we got Rolling Rock. We got Bush Heavy for Chad. Not Bush Light. Bush no. Heavy uh-huh. and Natty Light over here. Those are our Garage Beers of the Week. Thank you for your suggestions this week. We will be looking for more of them as we go on. But to you guys, cheers as we get into this podcast. And to you, the listeners, cheers as well. And now we are so excited to enjoy these cheap beers except for Ron's with our special guest, Ron Tugnut, (laughs) former NHL goalie. Uh, Again, especially for those of you Columbus Blue Jackets fans, that we have many of them that listen to this podcast. The original, one of the original goaltenders for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And so we're just going to get into a little bit about you, Ron, before we talk about the Jackets. Uh, The first question, again, just doing a little research on Ron Tugnut. Uh, uh, You know, it says you grew up in the Toronto area, right? Yeah. But you you were drafted by the Nordiques in 86. Yep. So obviously the first question is, were there any kind of family fight division issues there?
5: Well, my draft day actually, actually the, the, at my draft, it was in Montreal. And back then Montreal and Quebec really hated each other. Right. So when I got drafted in the Montreal Forum, I didn't even know I got drafted because they were booing so loud I couldn't hear my name.
6: No. So I was sitting there,
5: and I had no clue that I got drafted. So I looked up at the screen, and i seen my name, and I was like, oh, my. So I stood up, and I, people were booing me as I was going down the stairs and booing me as I went down to the table. And So that was the start of understanding oh. that Montreal and Quebec would be uh, a little bit of a, a war game for every game we play with those guys. So, um, But not, not so much the Toronto and Quebec stuff, but uh, Quebec-Montreal, yes, for sure.
2: Dan, dad's next to you going, Hey Ron, look, Hey Ron, look up there on the board. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So, uh, I, this got me thinking because you were drafted by the Nordiques now, uh, you know, there is no team up in Quebec. Uh, and it got me thinking of, of like what franchises, especially here in North American sports, I can't, I don't know if I can think of other franchises that I want back more than the, the Quebec Nordiques. I, I don't know. What do you guys think on that? Ron, what, what about you? I agree.
5: I think that uh, from a standpoint of uh, adding another, you know, team in Canada, that way we'd have uh, the same amount as the new divisions that they've set up for for this year. Anyway, uh, would be good. But I just think those rivalries, uh, you know, Montreal, Quebec. The entertainment, uh, you know, when I played in those, when I woke up in the morning and we were playing Montreal, we knew anything could happen that night. There could be a full-on brawl, everybody's fighting, could be, you know, a line brawl, but we know there was going to be fights for sure. And uh, we knew when we got to the rink, it, it was going to be a special night playing against Montreal, so... Um, you know, it would it'd be nice to have that back uh, and bring, because I think the NHL, everybody wants to see those rivalry games. Uh, those are the ones that people get excited yes. about because they just don't know what's going to happen. And it'd be great to bring that back. But the problem is, is in Quebec, they just don't have the money, I think. from a, It's a blue-collar, uh, you know, part of the province. Mo- Montreal has all the money. And I think that it's very difficult for Quebec to come in and, and, and be able to, uh, you know, pay all these guys' salaries that... Uh, you know that, um, and and pay for tickets. That'll be probably through the roof, which they wouldn't be able to afford.
1: It's a bummer because it's a, it was such a great franchise, the iconic. I, I have an old Nordiques jersey, Matt Sundin. Uh, uh, just an iconic franchise. I don't know. What about you guys? Do you think any other uh, any other franchise? It could be basketball, baseball, football, whatever. That you just feel like, man, I wish that team was still around.
2: Yeah, missing. I mean, sticking with hockey, I miss the Whalers. Yeah, hard for Whalers. Like uh, you know the old the old Ron Francis Kevin Deneen, Glenn Wesley days. I mean I know they're in Carolina now, but I mean let's be honest. I mean you, you look at Carolina. You watch any Carolina game on TV that that team doesn't get anywhere near the support that it that it had it up up in Hartford. I mean I know it was, you know I I know it was near. Uh, I know it was, you know, for financial issues that the owner had to move, but man, just the, the iconic names that went through there. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I just mentioned Francis and Deneen and then Gordie Howe. It just has such a history. I miss it.
5: Yeah. And they played in,
1: they played in a mall. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Joe?
3: This might be a little bit of an Ohio sports podcast bias, but I miss the old Cleveland Browns, the ones that won a Super Bowl.
1: Okay. They never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, the franchise did. Oh, the Ravens got it. Yeah. yeah oh, oh, that hurts. Yeah. Oh.
3: Sorry. Had to put that one out
1: there. Yeah. I was, uh, I was thinking like the Nordiques. Uh, the other one that comes to my mind, the Supersonics out in Seattle. Like Seattle's a good sports yeah. town. They're, they're about to get an NHL team. Man, I miss the old Seattle Supersonics. That was always, they had great, especially like, I don't know, growing up in, and watching sports in the nineties and the eighties and like they had great rivalries and stuff. It it makes you think, you know, Ron, I was looking at your background, it just makes you think there's some of those old teams that you know, we watched when we were younger and all that just not being there anymore. It's just not the same. But uh uh but yeah, that I always thought that was funny. Uh we had Nick Felino on and he talked about, you know, being a Canadian and he he tends to like favor the American he plays for like the American team and his brother plays for the Canadian team. It's a big family rivalry, yeah. so you know, I know how crazy those cities are up there about their rivalries and their sports. I, w- I wondered if that caused any issues for you having to go up to Quebec to play. Well,
5: it's just when we came to Toronto, you know, buying my ticket for families and stuff like that. It, uh, I've always wanted—I always wanted to play for the Leafs because I was from Toronto. But um, I, I really loved my time in Quebec. It's—it was like an old city. Um, the apartment I lived in uh, was all stone. Uh, it was like a hundred years old, and it was truly uh, the restaurants and everything, the nightlife, everything was just uh, you know, a, a great place to live. The French was one thing, you know, it was a little bit of a tough time <laughs> with the French, but um, you know, it, it was tougher for most of the Amer- American guys because none of them took French in, in school and we at least took some French. So we yeah, could get yeah. by a little bit and at least order some food, you know, and once in a while, we'd order something for the Americans, and they wouldn't know what they're getting, but they just told me it was good. But.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you will take the fromage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, first couple of years uh, of your career were up there in Quebec, uh, where you were really just getting your feet wet. You were you were playing in the, uh, I think it was the AHL. You're playing a little time in the AHL, a little time in the NHL, uh, but. Up there with the Nordics, you had the game that like when you talk about a long career that you had, probably the game that gets talked about the most is that game in 1991 against the Bruins, where I'm sure you've talked about it more than you even care to. But you had you faced 73 shots in that game, 73, and you stopped 70 of them, which is the most it, it, it was that is the most ridiculous In a non losing, it's I think still the record to this day for most shots faced and saved in a non losing game. The fact that you face seventy three shots and didn't lose the game is incredible. Uh, How do you even handle that? Like, what do you do? You get done with that game and just want to take the next week off?
5: Well, actually, it's the complete opposite that uh, you don't want to leave the net and you don't want the game to end because you, the way you're feeling, you think you could take another 25 30 more and really put a number to it because you, you felt so good about yourself that, you know, you're, you're pretty confident that they weren't going to score, you know, and um, that, that game there is we were the last place team and the Bruins were the first place team. And uh, back in the old days, I, I was lucky because I got to play in all the old rinks and all the new rinks. So the old yeah. rinks like uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, Boston Garden, Buffalo, they were tiny ice surfaces, really small ice surfaces. So uh, things happened quick there. A lot more shots would happen in those places, especially if the other team had the puck all, all game like Boston did. And and even shots from the blue line were actually tough because uh, the, the blue line there is closer than other blue lines and other rinks. So um, You know, Ray Bork had like 19 shots, you know, so uh, (laughs) it's just, but but I love, I love when I go back and I look at it and I said, geez, if they had that goalie interference thing back then, I would have had a shutout because all three of them, (laughs) someone was laying on me or pushing me in the net or something. And I said, you know, Cam Neely was just sitting there squatting on me and I'm like, you know, but nowadays they'd be blowing all that up. Um, I might have had a shutout, I think, if I didn't have guys on me.
2: needless to say did you give your d-men a little stern talking to during that game
5: no 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 because they took me out from wings after
2: oh okay oh it's made up for it that's for sure yeah yeah
5: that night they said it's on it's on us tonight tug. so uh, we had a we had a good time and it was a good you know for me that was a big thing because i got my name out there you know at the time i was fighting to stay in the nhl and Everybody said I was too small to be a starter. As I I said, I was like 150 pounds and, you know, 5'10", 5'10 and a half. And to be able to go and play a game like that late in the year against the best team in the league, um, it was kind of like one of those coming out moments for me that, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy that uh, that could happen.
1: Yeah. How impressive was that game? Well, uh, let's put it into this perspective. Boston hockey fans are crazy. And it's not like the Bruins and the Nordiques liked each other. They weren't like good buddies. Uh, uh, I'm not saying you guys didn't have friends on teams. I'm saying the fans. Uh, after that game, you got a standing ovation from the Boston Bruins crowd because of how impressive that performance was. That, that's about as good of, a, uh, of an accomplishment to be an, an opposing player in Boston to get a standing ovation uh, as anything. I think, I think that's, that's one of your best accomplishments, I think, of your whole career. <laughs> yeah,
5: and like the funny twist to that whole story is Gila Lafleur was on my team then and uh, with a minute oh to go God. there was a standing ovation. Yeah, there was a standing ovation with a minute to go and the, the broadcaster said that uh, they're giving Ron tugna a standing ovation and it wasn't for me, it was for Guy Lafleur because it was going to be his last game at the Boston Garden so oh. it was for him. And then with, like, eight seconds to go in the overtime, they gave me one. And um, But there was so much going on at that rink that day. Um, Boston has the old rink. The upper deck came out over top of the lower deck, and someone always put their beer on top, and it would fall down on the people below, and they were <laughs> – and, there, and there'd and there be fights and there was a fight that day that someone came oh, from up God. top down low. And next you know, there was a fight down there in the stands because someone spilled the beer down over top and just a lot of great memories in those ranks. And you know, the, like we, we would be in the dressing room and there'd be rats underneath there and stuff oh. like, Oh, it was, it was cause it was dirty. It was old and dirty and you know, just crazy stuff like that that these young spoiled hockey players don't have to see anymore
1: yeah that's an amazing that's an amazing point that i don't think a lot of people think about we're not that far removed right like we're talking to ron tugnut ron you are not 112 years old you did not play that long ago it is amazing to think uh if you look back at some of the old arena whether it's basketball arenas or 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 even stadiums hockey arenas we are not that far removed from sports not building billion dollar arenas, right? Like, uh, we are we are still pretty close to back in the day of the days of like you said, the Garden or the Igloo or just these kind of old ratty places that were the best places, especially to watch hockey. Uh, do you think does that make a difference? Like, do you think these guys now, you know, is it, does it make them even more coddled or, or, or you know that they? I don't know. Does does that make a difference at all?
5: Well, every facility is just top notch now, right? right? For the most part, like the dressing rooms. and. But what I really liked, and I said about the Boston one, is that the upper deck came over top of the lower deck. So it really shrunk, you know, the fan base being tighter and closer to, to us and to the ice surface. And now you look at like a, like a Montreal, and it goes so wide and so far out. And those, those seats up at the very back top, yeah. you are a long, long way away from the rink. And, um, you know, I just like that feeling of just being in there tight, like the old Philadelphia Spectrum. Yes. You know, you you would go in there and it was dark. Like you could barely see the, the fans because <laughs> it was right. dark in the stands. And That's right. and, and, that, and that great Ron Hextall story, uh, I would sit there and i get on the ice. And I'm doing my stretch to get ready for the game. And all of a sudden they'd play Welcome to the Jungle. And Ron Hextall would come flying, running onto the ice, and he'd slam on the on the brakes, and he let out like a roar, like roar, like this, and then he'd go for a <laughs> skate, and then he would cut. Then he he was coming right along center ice where I was stretching, and he's flying right at me, and next thing he jumps in the air and slams off the glass, and he screams again, and and I'm like, this guy's nuts, you know, and yeah. now he's now he's a two-time GM in the NHL. Go figure.
1: Yeah, right. I was going to say, he just got named general manager of the, uh, the Penguins.
2: Right. I, mean, he, I wonder how hard that is for him to just have to, to have to be so calm now. <laughs> like like he has to be very even keeled, making business decisions.
1: Yeah. He's, got Berkey, he's got Berkey to help him with that.
2: That's true. Yeah. But you know
1: what? Maybe every once in a while he runs down to the ice and slams into the glass just to bring back the good old days. <laughs> yeah.
2: Please welcome, please welcome to the jungle when he's making his bagel every morning.
1: Yeah. When he's making a trade call. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. We talked about that 70-save game. You, you, you did that multiple times. Uh, so the 70-save game you had in 91 uh, actually wound up being a tie. Uh, you also had a 70-save game, uh, when was that? In 2000, as a member of the Penguins, right? Uh, in a yep. five-overtime playoff game against Philly. Uh, my, uh, what I wonder after that. You've just put all that out on the line, right? Seventy saves, five overtimes. It's a game that had to have felt like it lasted forever, even though it was probably a blast to play in. When it's one team has to win, one of those shots is gonna go in the net. When it's when it goes in the net, and it's not, you know, you see it go past you, or you see it in the back of the net. How crushing is that after you've just basically dominated the whole game and had that many saves? Well, but- it's.
5: It's almost as crushing as you telling me I can't make 71 saves because I can only get to 70. <laughs> 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 so I'd like to make 71 once, but I couldn't. So, the, uh, yeah, that, that game was something special because, um, you know, like it ended up – we started at 7 at night and ended at 2.30 in the morning. I lost 12 pounds in one night. Oh, uh, my oh, yeah. goodness. Oh, yeah. The guys were taking intravenous in between periods, and the dressing room smelled like bacon because they were finding anything they could to cook to give guys to eat and pizza.
2: Because you had to do something.
5: You had to put something in the body. And so I lost like 12 pounds that game. But the uh, people were asleep in the stands. They ran out of kegs. All the beer was gone. (laughs) Uh, Because we've seen that the next morning when we came in for the meetings the next day. But uh, the best story about it all is my mom, who was watching the game, and she just – she says, I, I just can't do this. I can't watch it anymore. It was 11 o'clock at night. She goes, I'm so nervous. And she went to bed. And she woke up at 1.30 or 2 o'clock. And she goes, I got to go find out the score. And she turned the TV on. And the game was still going.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> so,
5: so it was just like, you know, and it, it was one of those games that whoever won that game was going to win the series. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we won both games in Philly. We came home and lost both games in overtime at home. Oh. And if we win one of those, we win the series. But uh, that was the crusher, I think, because, you know, that makes a huge difference winning a game, like, with that magnitude in it.
2: 12 pounds. Like, that means you were, uh, like, 138 pounds walking out of that arena that night. Like, is this guy, is this guy just trying to cut weight for his uh, high school wrestling match tomorrow? Like, like, <laughs> or is that Ron Tugner? That's well, crazy, this is, man.
5: This, I was probably around 145 at the end of that because I kind of gained a few pounds, oh but, oh, okay. but, but it wasn't, <laughs> but the hard part <laughs> was is that I was completely dehydrated and oh, I sure. could, oh. you know, I couldn't even get up the stairs uh, at my, we were staying cause I got traded late there. There was like eight guys staying in a hotel, like one of those sweet hotels and I couldn't even make it up the stairs to go to my bedroom because my legs were just so done Wow. And uh, that really made that next game tough. I just couldn't recover in time, and uh, to be able to to play my best the next one.
2: Now, Ron, I wanted to ask you that. It just brings up a good question for me. Is I know I know you're probably a little biased, obviously, but is is a Ag- I've always been of this opinion that a goalie in hockey is the toughest position in, in, in sports. Just just for the sheer reflexes that you have to have. And, and, you know, and then you have guys in front of you getting screened all the time. Like, I don't know, like, 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 where, where, where are you at on that? I know it's probably a silly question to ask, but it's, it's, I, I don't know. What's what, what was your training regiment like? Just because I, I just think of, you're trying to stop like a frozen rubber puck coming at you 80, 90, hundred miles an hour. And you have to see around these guys. And it's, I, I don't know, I, I just, can you give us an insight in, in, into how tough it actually is to play goaltender in the national hockey league?
5: Well, I think that you nailed it with seeing the puck coming at you is one thing. It it might be coming 100 miles an hour, but it doesn't seem that fast when it's coming at you. Uh, But once you throw in bodies and stuff and you have to try to pick up pucks when they're out of their way and and, and stuff, that that makes it hard. So I think to make the save isn't as hard as all the work you have to do before to make the save. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, is most people, if you were to wind up close range and throw something at them they're going to want to get out of the way and um you know train yourself to sit there and go whatever it takes to get in front of it you know and the hardest part is back in in the early years for me the, the gear I wore wasn't the best and we we would get hurt we'd get hit and we'd get hurt but you never thought that the puck that was going to hit you would ever hurt you until it hit you and then it would be like you know you'd have welts you start the year with welts and you finish the year with welts and then you go through oh. summer and heal and, and then you come back and it's like that first shot, that next spring or uh, training camp, you get hit on the shoulder and you just like, here we go again, you know, but um, honestly the the challenge of being able to stare at uh, like for me at the time, like an Al McGinnis, hundred mile an hour slap shot oh. and, and, and be completely committed to finding a way to get something on it and, even think that you know something. If he goes top glove, and I can snag that top glove, that would be the sickest save, and it's kind of <laughs> yeah. an, it'd be like an adrenaline rush, you know. So sure. uh, I, I thoroughly, it was. I, it's such a challenging position, and 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 uh, I loved it. Like it's it, there's nothing crazier than something coming at you that hard, that oh. fast, and and make the save, and it doesn't hurt. It's just great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Uh, even later, though, even later in your career as the equipment got better. Uh, that's a great question, because most people that listen to this are never going to have any idea. Everybody that listens to this, unless anybody playing hockey listens to this, are going to have any idea what it's like to be a goaltender in the NHL. So that's something that I think a lot of people that like hockey and watch hockey kind of wonder, even with the advanced pads and stuff. Are there like what are the little spots where you're like, please, God, just don't let it hit me here. <laughs>
5: I think that if you think if it's a high shot and you bring your shoulder up, it'll have a tendency to drop your shoulder pad down and expose the collarbone. Oh, and, and if it gets you, usually a, a goalie will be really good at not getting hit there. But if there's a deflection, that's oh. when you get it like a, a straight on shot goalies can usually, we usually drop our chin and take it wherever it is because the mask. Now you smoke us in the head with these masks. It really doesn't hurt. Right. Like it's amazing yeah. how good they are. Um, but, it's more if there's a, a change of direction and you're looking somewhere else and, you, you, and then all of a sudden you have to raise your shoulder because it's going up top corner and it catches you right beside the mass there on that collarbone, yeah, that one that one's going to sting you. And, of course, the family jewels, you can never get away with the family. Gonna hit there. it, it, no, there's nothing that's going to protect that enough. I had um, Benoit Hogue broke my jock back in the day. He actually – yeah, I, I, like I had one of these old Cooper jocks, and it was uh, a, a co- it had a cover on it with a plastic insert in the inside, and it, and it turned into marshmallow. Like it, it was like mush. And yeah, that was that
1: took me a little while to get my. It took a little while to get myself back together after that. No way, I'm giving up eight goals. The next eight <laughs> shots that come at me are going in. After that, like nope, I'm not touching it. Yeah, oh, I have a gosh. funny. I
2: I have a funny quick story for you, Ron. I I used to do play-by-play for for um, a team in the Central Hockey League. Uh, you know, we were in Youngstown, uh, um, and we were playing Wichita. Wichita was in town, and Wichita was taking their warm-ups right. And one of their wingers just takes a slap shot right at the goalie, and the puck and the puck lodges in his in his eye, in, like in his mask right here. And immediately, I mean, I just look over and I see this guy writhing in pain and I'm like, Oh my God, what happened? And then I see, the, and I see the trainer carrying the mask off with the puck lodged in there. So I mean, that's just gotta be so, <laughs> I mean, but I, yeah, like you said, it's just, that's just what the risks you take in take in, in playing the position. But, but that was just sounds like just one of those freak injuries, but yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. Right. You know, yeah, I not- feel
3: like it's like when you get hit, it's like you can probably expect that, but it's the next time that you go between the pipes, that has to be like the ballsiest part because you're like, well, I I know that that really sucked. Like I, I don't know how to go back and take another one of those.
5: Well, as I said, the masks now are great. Um, yeah. Very seldom will you see a puck stick now between uh, – we call them the cat eyes, the goalie's eyes. It's like a cat-looking eye the most dangerous thing is like a butt end or a stick that cause they'll both fit in there. The The puck for the most part, won't do that now. And the bars are usually double enforced. So the guys are doing pretty good with their safety up there now, but um, you know, you watch a game very seldom. Do you see a guy get hurt with a stinger now right? and that just tells you how good their stuff
1: is. So let's move on a little bit in your career. You, 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 you bounced around a little bit. You played for a whole bunch of teams. Uh, But again, one of the coolest stories about your career, you're the you're the only goaltender that uh, got the first win for two expansion franchises. You got the first win for the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks back in the day. And you got the first one, obviously, for our local Columbus Blue Jackets here in Ohio. Uh, So, you know what? Seven years apart, seven or eight years apart, whatever that was, uh, you know, you chose to sign with Columbus. You chose to go there as an expansion team. Uh, what were the differences between Anaheim and Columbus? Like, were there were there some differences between how those teams were allowed to set up and, and play? And then when you look at expansion teams now, uh, you know, we, we've we seen what Vegas has been able to do. Seattle's about to join in on the fray. Uh, what do you see as the big differences? Because there aren't many players that are bigger experts on expansion teams than you.
5: Yeah, like, um... I, I think for me, I, I'm surprised that you you knew that I had two wins for those two. You've done your homework because not a lot of people <laughs> know that. Um, but uh, you know, the thing is, the first year on an, on an expansion team is it, it's kind of like the honeymoon. You can't do no wrong, and yeah. it's it's they're just happy you're there. They're excited about it because Wayne Gretzky's coming next week, and we get to see him at home here rather than have to travel to Philly or Pittsburgh or something. You can do it in Columbus and. You know, so things like that, uh, just bringing the teams to, to, you know, to your own city is special. But um, my experience in Anaheim was so good; um, I felt really confident talking to uh, Doug McLean when I came to Columbus, uh, because he says, "Ron, you're a free agent signing, but you're not going to be the only one." He goes, "I'm going to get Lyle Odeline I'm going to." So I said, "Okay, well, he's going to." He put a a pretty good team in front of me, and um, you know, but. There's a huge difference in expansion drafts with, with the, the Ducks and, and Columbus than what we just witnessed in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically Vegas made 30 trades before the draft or before the expansion draft. They made 30 trades. And that they had a legitimate contender right from the beginning because of all those trades and everything they did. But in the older expansion, you kind of just got the leftovers. You know what I mean? So you're getting – players that the teams were more than willing to give up and um you know so those teams weren't as competitive but in the first year both teams columbus and anaheim we were very competitive we were in the last uh, month and a half two months we had a chance of making a playoff run um you know so those are great years you know yeah but now it'll be interesting to see how this goes with seattle if they're going to allow the same rules as they did with Vegas, which I I think the NHL teams now are just going to say, just take one player off me. I don't care. And just deal with it that way rather than making the deals. Because I think if you went through them all, probably most of those teams lost in their trades. And, uh, you know, Vegas is sitting there and they might be the the favorite to win the cup this year.
1: It's incredible. It's, it's, it's three years in a row of just, uh, what an incredible start for a franchise, which is it's cool because it it gives the fan base out there that's never had a hockey team uh, something incredible. But like you said, I, I can't imagine all these other teams are going to be like, well, we're not doing that again. We're not letting Seattle uh, come out and, and be the, the class of the Western Conference uh, like we did with Vegas. It'll be real interesting to see. You know, we we've, we've had, again, some of your former teammates on and they kind of said the same thing. It, it wasn't that was just a situation where it wasn't handed to them but just so many things went right and that's just not how it was in the past we do need to talk to you a little bit on that expansion Blue Jackets team uh, we think one area where you really came up short uh, as a team uh, when we asked Chad asked uh, former teammate Jean-Luc Grandpierre uh, what did you ask him Chad you asked him about his like rookie kind of hazing rookie party whatever <laughs>
2: Oh yeah. And he totally <laughs>
1: fooled you guys. And I think you all owe him, uh, you owe him big time because he got away <laughs> with it, uh, and totally fooled you. And you guys didn't really get him bad with anything. He didn't get anything. Yeah. No, he yeah. would, he would have had
5: to pay a big bill.
2: <laughs> yeah. He said, he said he actually, uh, he said he actually got uh, off easy on his rookie party because, uh, when he was in Buffalo, he, was, he tried to play it off that he, he had his rookie party in Buffalo, but he said, lucky for him, there was like eight or nine uh, rookies, got, guys celebrating their rookie party, so he they all split the bill, so he didn't have to pay the, big, <laughs> the, the, the huge bill that he did. So it's a, it's a, he made it sound like you boys took it easy.
5: <laughs> well, uh, the bill was probably big, but not for eight people. Mine, yeah, mine, right, was, right. mine was two. It was me and one other guy that picked no. up the tab on mine. No. Oh, no. And, and I was making 75,000 Canadian at the oh. time. <laughs> oh, no. Let's just say this, I, I, had, I had to get a summer job delivering newspapers, for crying out loud, to get through the summer.
2: Just to pay it off, yeah. yeah
5: just to pay I everything off. Party.
1: Well, I think we. I, I think if if nothing else, I think if you guys ever do like a, a, a an original Blue Jackets get together or anything, I think you owe John luc a little. Uh, I think you owe him a big bill at one of the dinners.
5: Well, I'll tell him now that since you got away with your rookie party, you can pick up pick it up tonight.
2: That's
1: right. It's That's the right. retirement party.
5: Yeah, he's working too. He's got a job, so he can pay. I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> That's
2: right. Yeah. You better believe it. He also he he, he told a funny story about it. Uh, he he said he wasn't sure that if you were in St. Louis with them, um, playing with them, Ron. But uh, when you guys were in St. Louis one time, he said uh, the equipment just all of a sudden sh- didn't show up till like I don't know till so, till only so many minutes before game time, and they had to be delivered by police escorts. Is is that true? Did you hear about it? Remember that. Anything about that story? I,
5: I do not remember that. So I don't know if that would have been in the, was it was in the first two years or it could have been in after that.
2: Yeah. Because, yeah. No, that's, that's what he
5: Yeah. That's I don't, sad. I don't remember. I don't remember that happening. And I, and if, if I was there, I would remember because, well, unless I wasn't playing, if I was backing up that night, I really wouldn't have cared. But <laughs> if I was playing, <laughs> I would have been a little rattled because I have like a pregame ritual stuff I have to do. And I would have been rattled sure.
1: probably if that was the case. Oh, that's a great question. So what was the, what was the pregame ritual for Ron Tugnut?
5: Oh my, it started um, the night before I had to shave because I wanted a a clean face the next day because I didn't like uh, like rough, rough face in my mask and stuff. So I always shaved the night before. And then from the time I woke up, I woke up the same time. My whole day was basically the same uh, as any other game day. What I ate, what time I got up, what time I had a nap in the afternoon, what I ate. And then, but once the game was over, uh, like I wouldn't even talk to guys in the dressing room uh, on game days. Like I was, uh, yeah, I was, there was two of me when I played, you know, there was game day Ron and then there was non game day Ron. And when, when I wasn't playing, I was the life of the party. I was running around laughing, joking in the room. But when I was playing I was real quiet, Wow. And uh, I, I remember one, one time in Columbus, we had a doctor there and I was doing my stretching and he came up and, and he, and he says, hey, Ron, how you doing? Have a good game tonight. And I just kind of looked at him and turned my head and walked away. And he's like, what, oh. what did I? And, and I really liked the doctor. So after the game was over, as soon as it ended and the game was over, I ran up to the Doc. hey, listen, I don't talk on game days. And he goes, I thought you were pissed at me. And and I said, <laughs> and I, said I was. I said, I was pissed yeah. at you. <laughs> so, uh, but once the game's over, know. I'm good. Now
2: you know to leave me the hell alone. Yeah, don't <laughs> yeah, talk anymore. Game day.
1: So I want to know, because the other thing, the other story we were told about you, and we were actually sent a picture of this, uh, I want to know, do you still have, do you still have the Columbus Blue Jackets themed Harley?
5: Yeah, it's a a 2000 Fat Boy. Yes. uh, Yeah, I still do. I still ride it. Um, I I actually, when I retired in 04, uh, I have a little bit of mechanic ability in me and stuff, and I like mechanics, and Harleys are like Hardly today is the same as 50 years ago. They hardly changed over that time. But you can buy the manual book for it and everything. I ripped my whole bike apart one winter because I had no hockey. I wasn't playing anymore. So I ripped the bike apart. I had parts all over the garage. And then I sat there and I said, You know something? Uh, I want to put a big 280 tire on the back. Now, a 280 tire is a big wide tire. So I had to cut the back of the frame and then have a buddy weld it, re weld it so I could put yes. this tire on. So now, um, <laughs> You know, my I got this big, huge fender on the back, and and I had to repaint the, the back fender and everything. But uh, it's a lot tougher to ride now. The suspension's not as good. <laughs> my back doesn't hold up as well. And uh, but um, we did some neat things with. Uh, from what everyone would have remembered it back then, it's changed now. But my my back uh, brake light. It's a goalie mask, and the eyes light up when I put the brakes on. That is the you coolest know, thing I've ever so heard. So we, we did all that in the garage, just me and my buddy. And, uh, you know, we spent the whole winter building it and it was so much fun. Um, yeah, I still have it. It's, it's kind of at the point now where I just, I wouldn't be able to get rid of it now. So the day that's that awesome. I stop, the day I stop riding, I'll just get all get rid of, get rid of all the fluids and put a glass thing over it and it'll become a table.
1: That's, that's all. Awesome. It's, it's just great to know that up in Canada, the weather gets nice. And there's still a Columbus Blue Jackets modified Harley with now that we know that it's got goalie mask, light up eyeballs, brake lights. That's, that's the coolest yeah. thing that is that anytime I'm ever in Canada from here on out, that's just what I'm going to be looking for.
5: <laughs> well, you might get to see it in Columbus. A lot of the guys I ride with are good friends. I have a lot of good friends in Ohio um, that uh, I ride with still. So whenever they let us back over that border, uh, the plans are to come yeah, right. down there again this summer uh, and ride somewhere. We might go down to Alabama, but we'll leave from Ohio and go to like Alabama or Georgia or somewhere. We'll go down south from there. And I ride oh. with a bunch of guys. And cause I have no saddlebags and that my brother usually comes and he's got one of those big baggers. So he carries all my clothes. So. Ah, so I love yeah. It. yeah nice. it's, it's good. It's a lot of fun. I John Luke it.
2: will be one of them, right? He, he said, you, you're the one that got him into motorcycle riding.
5: Yeah, he, uh, he was funny. Like, we, we all had Harley guys, and I said, John Luke, you should come riding with us. So he shows oh, no. up the one day, and he, oh, had no. like, he had, like, white pants, white shoes, <laughs> white jacket, <laughs> white, white helmet, and, and he had a crotch rocket. Oh,
2: no. And,
5: and no. All, all my Harley guys show up, and they go, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I introduced John Luke to everybody, and he had a great time. Everyone loved him. Like you can't yeah. not love John. Like you have to love him. He's a great guy, you know? So they all loved him. Yeah. But when they first seen him, they're like,
2: what is this? Right. You know? right. You, right. You pull him aside. You pull him aside. You're like, what
1: the, what the hell, man? He wanted <laughs> yeah. to show all the bugs <laughs> on his clothes. He wanted yeah. to show all the bugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So uh, outside of your NHL playing days, Ron, uh, as a kid that grew up in, in Ontario, up there in Canada, uh, you also had uh, some opportunities to rent, uh, represent Team Canada uh, playing in net. So, you know, what's that like for a kid that's from just outside of Toronto up there?
5: Well, I think, um, you know, at the end of the year, that's a, it's kind of a neat thing when you, you don't make the playoffs or you lose in the first round. Uh, you can be selected maybe if you've had a good year to go play for Canada. So I got to play in uh, Germany, Munich, Germany in 93. And I think in 99, it was Norway. Uh, oslo norway so the, the one thing with uh hockey which uh you know has been truly amazing is the places i've got to see and places i got to travel to and um you know that was part of it doing that it was it was a great experience to play with all these other great players and represent my country and wear the jersey very tough tournament for us to win there because you know for the most part all our best players are still in the playoffs back home but Um, you know, it's a, but truly a great experience. And when we go to these, we want to win, but on the other hand, it's all about having fun too. like the guys say, we're going to have a good time. Like we're going to go and have some beers and we're going to, you know, have some fun and enjoy this. So, um, you know, other than, uh, you know, playing for, for Ken, I also was with our world junior team for five years as a goalie consultant. And I got to go to Russia, Sweden, Finland, Czech, and nice. um, just amazing places I got to see uh, because of hockey.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think, uh, uh, you know, I I think that's the stuff, you know, you spend a little bit of time, uh, you know, on the other end of hockey off the ice after you're playing days. Uh, and, and that's cool, you know, just being able to, travel and see the world and, and uh, especially in those, those hockey craze places, like you said, Russia, Sweden, those are, those are hockey craze places just like your home country of Canada. Uh, so yeah, that, that must've been really cool uh, being with the junior team. Were there anybody on those teams uh, that eventually ended up, you know, either being people we know now or, or uh, made it into to big NHL uh, stardom?
5: Well, Connor McDavid would be a good one. I think (laughs) a lot of, a lot of those Edmonton guys, um, you know, Nugent Hopkins, uh, God, we had, uh, Shifley. We had like all these Canadian kids that you see are, that are stars in the NHL right now. They all would have played on the junior teams, our major junior team at some point in time. Uh, you know, unless they made it to the NHL at 18, uh, like um, uh, Sagan, Tyler Sagan got cut and then he got (laughs) drafted second overall and and he never seen, he never seen a world junior uniform. And, you know, it it was, uh, it was neat because when I was in on the meetings, when they said, listen, uh, we don't have a spot for you. And uh, he kind of sat there and I don't think he's ever been told before that he isn't making a team. (laughs) And he kind of sat there and he goes, I understand. He goes, I didn't show you enough to make the team and I don't deserve to make the team. And he goes, I understand. And he walked out and took it like a man. And I'm kind of sitting there going, okay, maybe we should bring him back in and put him back (laughs) on the team now, (laughs) because this guy here, anyone at at 18 that can do that rather than go out and call his agent and start screaming, you know, this guy's like, no, I didn't deserve it. You know? And so um, yeah, who does that? Yeah, that uh, is pretty impressive. But, yeah, we, we, like these are all star, star players that we get on our world junior team and same with the U.S. team. Awesome. These kids now are stars at 18, 19 years old.
2: Okay, uh, Ron, we're going to get into some quick hitters here, and then we're going to talk about this year's jackets before we let you go. Uh, so uh, just some quick hitters here. Your role model as, uh, as a player? Bernie Perron. Oh, great one. Yes. Woo-hoo-hoo, great one. Uh, favorite city you played in?
5: Ooh, I, I would have to. Well, I'd say Columbus. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, pander into the local crowd. I, I have to <laughs> tell you,
5: I love Columbus because honestly, it was just like a a city in in Canada where you can allow your kids to walk around the streets, and it was safe. It was beautiful, and it was an awesome place to to be for two years. I think if I would have stayed the full four years of my contract, we'd be still living there today.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like everybody it. else that has ever played in Columbus, <laughs> uh, do they all stay there? Yeah, yeah that <laughs> it's the crazy. We interview Ohio State Buckeye like football players. They all still live in Columbus. Uh, Blue Jackets still live in Columbus. It is, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful city. I love it.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. One quick thing about that, I remember you got uh, you also got the first shutout in uh, Blue Jackets history. And uh, George Matthews would always tell me uh, how pissed the Montreal press was that uh, was about that. So, uh, what did that? What did that? Uh, <laughs> what did that uh, mean to you to uh, to do that?
5: Well, I, see, Montreal was it against Montreal? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was against Montreal. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, things didn't go well when I played in Montreal. I didn't have a good experience there, and. I didn't like it there. I didn't like playing there. And, um, you know, so to do it to them, I was more than happy for it to be (laughs) against them.
2: (laughs) All right. That's perfect. Well, that's, uh, okay. Actually, that's, um, that's actually leads into our next question. Least favorite place to play was that, is that the uh, Montreal then?
5: (laughs) Yeah, it's Montreal. And like the city was great and everything was good and wearing that, you know, symbolic history Jersey was amazing, but, The problem was there was this guy that was there named Patrick Waugh. and that he means I—that yeah. means I wasn't playing. You know, I was yeah, watching. Right. So because right. you're because you're watching, it's not fun. You know. And yeah. Uh, when I played in Edmonton, I had Billy Ramford, and uh, they played me one every three or four games in Montreal. It wasn't like that, you know. And, yeah. So that would be the reason why I liked everywhere I played as long as I felt I was part of the team and I was playing.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, toughest player you ever had to stop on a breakaway?
5: Oh, Alexei Kovalev. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, that guy was a magician. It,
5: he scored uh, eight in a row in practice. Eight in a row in practice. No. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, eight in a row in a shootout's not easy to, to score that many. But, no. but it was. It was for him. And oh. I, 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 I snapped and I said. Next one's for dinner, and and he Ooh. came down, and I literally fired my stick at him, like I, <laughs> like he was jumping and going and and I, I actually I fired a stick at him and it hit the puck and knocked it away and he was so mad he goes you can't do that you can't do that and I I said you owe me dinner that's it
2: yeah amazing all right well the best shooter you've ever faced
5: well it, it's funny like everybody always thinks about the Gretzkys and the Muse and, you know, Brett Halls, uh, mm-hmm. but those guys I kind of expected would score on me, you know, so mm-hmm. it didn't <laughs> seem like a big deal, you know, but uh, Steve Thomas and Rob DeMille, these are oh, two wow. guys, I think they should be buying me dinners because the contracts they got <laughs> because the goals they were scoring on me.
1: <laughs> You're such a good Samaritan, Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, score, they scored every
5: game they scored every game on oh my gosh do
2: you, do you still talk to them today like do you call them and say hey steve you're welcome and then like hey how's it how's the family yeah,
5: yeah. I, I seen steve because he's from toronto so i'd see him a few times at golf tournaments and he'd just start laughing he goes i love playing against you i go i bet you do you know great yeah. steve
1: <laughs> good to but, see you too
5: and then right. then i played right. then i played with rob DeMaio in dallas and he was all upset because I was on his team now. He goes, now I'm gonna be the best practice player you'll ever see.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And let's see. Um, your favorite D-man that you ever played in that ever played in front of you. Oh.
5: Hmm. It's gotta be someone that blocks a lot of shots.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You sure? Oh had just as many welts as you did at the end of the season.
5: <laughs> you know, I'm going to so people might not even know this guy, Lance Pitlick.
2: Oh, I've heard the name.
5: Yeah, I had him in in uh in uh in Ottawa and he oh, was a definite stay-at-home defenseman and he would go face first in front of pucks and oh. yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> he was special. He he blocked a lot of shots and he let's just say we both had the same amount of ice bags on at the end of the night. Oh my
2: God! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Face first. All right, and finally, with the quick hitters, do goalies ever get tired of the drama, like of the scrums that happen in front of the net? You know, and just every time, every time you cover up a puck, it's just your your d-men are always just get get the hell off of them. All right, get get off of them. Is it ever? Does it ever get tiring?
5: Well, it's not as bad now as it used to be. Like uh, it, it was like there'd be li- real big like pounds of people on you, like mounds of people. And, uh, you know, you'd have like, um, some players were actually, it's almost like a football scrum. They're trying to punch you somewhere or, or, Jeez. you know, um, geez, what's his name? Uh, uh, he was in Quebec and then Dale, 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 uh, Dale Hunter, Dale Hunter one time he was trying to rub his skate on my wrist, my exposed wrist. He was trying to no. rub it in the pile. No. And, yeah yeah like it, it it was crazy back then, but now it's not as bad you, The one thing you worry about though is honestly is if you go down in your butterfly and someone falls back on you, then your knees are yeah. you know blowing knees and hips and stuff that's but um you know it's nice it's nice every once in a while when you get your own shot in though when you you're under there and you can throw a blocker off a guy's chin or something <laughs> and, and you know the ref doesn't see it that's not so
1: bad I feel like I would just be annoyed all the time like. Every time, every time a goalie covers a puck or catches a puck, or the play is over, there's just always that scrum that happens at the end. You're like, this happens, guys. This happens a hundred times a game. Let's calm down. Let's just go on to the next thing. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So let's talk real quick about this year's jackets. Uh, They've been all over the news, and I don't know how how closely I don't know how how closely you've been following them, Ron. uh, But uh, it's been so far quite a roller coaster for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, between uh, having a discontented star uh, in Pierre-Luc Dubois, only 22 years old, make it very clear to the team that he does not want to be there anymore. Uh, then they, they obviously make a big trade, bring in a couple of really talented young players. Now you've got uh, Miko Koivu retires this year uh, after uh, an incredible career, just a very sudden retirement. And, uh, and now the, the new star they bring in, uh, line gets uh, gets benched. I mean, uh, what kind of toll when you're on a team and you're trying to all come together and and, and work for one goal? Do you feel the distractions of all that uh, of everything? Is it bigger to the fans than it is to the players?
5: Well, the, the, no one notices a third or fourth line guy sitting on the bench, right? It's it's it, you know it's the star players, it's the best players, and that's. You know, these guys are the ones that are getting the big money to, to be difference makers. And, you know, I think um, you have players that have played for torts that completely love him and they respect him and they know, I just have to give 100% and he's going to be happy with me. You know what I mean? And, and he'll know that I'm having a bad day, it's not going well, or I'm having a good day, but at least he knows I'm giving 100%. So I think from... As, a, as an athlete, I would really appreciate that that all he actually wants me to do is just give everything I got um, now saying that not everybody's personalities are that way, and sometimes some better players can kind of sleep through a game a little bit and then all of a sudden they wake up and they score three goals you know and uh and, and but they they just rub uh, Torts the wrong way. And he says, no, we need everyone to buy in and be the same. Everybody on the team is treated the same. Everybody's the same. That's how we're going to win. And that's a, that's a real tough thing to do because, you know, you don't want to push away your star players. You want to keep those star players. And, um, you know, but you're, I think right now, I'm just hoping Lane A takes the high road on this and say, well, you no, know something, I got to give a hundred percent every shift. You know what I mean? Uh, to, to help this team, I got to do that instead of going the other way where it's like, you know, something, maybe it's time for me to leave.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's uh. we've been talking about this kind of behind the scenes uh, just through our text messages or whatnot. It feels like Torts is that guy that the, it feels like the players that have been there for a while love playing for him and they have his back. They come out in the media and they have his back uh, with all this stuff going on. But it feels like when you're a new guy in there, he, he's a coach that takes some adjusting and getting used to it, Would you say that's probably a fair statement?
5: Yeah. And there's not many coaches in the NHL that are like torts, you know what I mean? So um, I've never played for him, but I know a lot of people that have, and, and I would say nine out of 10 love them. Right. You know, so the, the, they, they love that all he wants is you to compete. Just give out there and do what the team needs you to do. That's what he wants. So uh, it's, it's, it's black and white. You know what I mean? It's, it's simple. And, and as you said, like, I, I heard the comments from uh, Atkinson afterwards. He goes, oh, I've I been benched a whole bunch of times, you know. And, <laughs> and, like, yeah. but, but you asked him, he goes, I love him. I love Torch, you know. And I would come back to practice the next day, and he treats me great. He's not mad at me, but he's just saying, hey, you, the team needs you to be better. If we want to win, you have to be better. You know, it's interesting.
2: So. It's in, it's interesting, Ron, like, you know, like systems and, and, and systems in hockey, depending on the coach, don't change that much. You know, it, it's just maybe a tweak here and there. So it's it really is more about coaching the coach you're playing for and getting players to buy in. Like like who's the best coach you've ever played for and, and why were they able uh, to get the most out of your players?
5: Well, I, I would probably say it was Jacques Martin in Ottawa. Um, yeah. because we weren't uh, – uh, we didn't have a ton at the time uh, stars or high-skilled guys. We had good players, but we didn't have – a. they, they were young-skilled players, but they weren't quite stars or by any means in the league. But we yeah. defended so well. Um, that's why I loved it there so much because my job was <laughs> way easier. You know, I, I, I went to an all-star game in 99 because of how <laughs> good my team was, not because how good I was. You know, you
1: got Lance Pitlick throwing his face at Pucks. Yes.
5: See, so (laughs) I think Jacques made us a competitive team and we made
1: the playoffs for the first time. And I think that was all his doing. Really cool. So we can't let the original one of the original goaltenders of the Columbus Blue Jackets off the uh, off the call here without talking about one of the strengths of the current iteration of the Blue Jackets teams, which are. Uh, the two-headed monster that they have in goal between Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corpusalo. Uh What are your impressions of these two young guys uh, that that the Blue Jackets are throwing out there uh, every night in between the uh, in between the pipes? And uh, uh, how much fun do you have watching those guys play? Well, I I think
5: we need them to stay healthier. You know, although two of them yeah. have both found ways to be injured um, at such a young age, but uh, I scouted Corpusalo because uh, he was with the world junior team in Finland and I was blown away with how athletic he was. And, you know, in, in an era where we had these goalies like, uh, Jaguer and all that, that were yeah. just big blocking goalies. Uh, you know, I watched him and I said, Oh, there's something I really like about him. You know, sometimes a puck will squeeze through him, but God, look at his athleticism. Look at the way I, I really like them. So uh, I'm not surprised in the least that he turned out to be a a really really solid goalie and um and I think the other one's elvis he's it's he's last year he got on a streak and it was just insane how hot he got so this is great because you have two young goalies, two great goalies that are now going to compete for ice time, you know, and it's going to be a friendly competition, but don't let them tell you that y'all know we're both best buddies and we're tight. No, no, no. They're, they're competing. They're just saying (laughs) the right things. You know, they both want to play every day, but um, the more um, the better one guy plays, the better
1: it makes the other guy play. And that's nothing but the best thing for the team. Uh, As a guy, as a guy, uh, you said you scouted Jonas Corpusalo as a guy who is familiar with making an incredible amount of saves within one NHL game in yourself. Uh, it had to be fun watching Jonas in the bubble last year make 85 saves in one in one playoff game, a playoff record. Uh, that had to throw you back a little bit.
5: Well, I've seen him make those saves, plus he was getting close to my eight and a half periods. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was like, right. I guess this guy's going to two for one this right here. So, Stop it. Yeah. Stop it.
1: <laughs> Jonas isn't going to be able to walk up the stairs. <laughs>
5: I was sitting there looking, I go, I wonder how much weight he's losing.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 12. That's that yeah. is of all the things we've talked about, that is these, twelve these pounds coddled, a night. Woo. These
2: coddled youngsters are probably getting filet between periods and you guys were getting bacon and pizza.
5: <laughs> bacon. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll In take the, the bacon. Yeah, probably
1: a couple beers.
5: Well, they came after.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll take the bacon and the pizza. That's
5: fine. I was playing in in an era where guys would actually be smoking in the dressing room. When I first came in, they were smoking in the dressing room. And then by the early 90s, they were smoking underneath the stands. So they'd have to go out of the dressing room and and go smoke underneath the stands because you couldn't do it in the room anymore. And when I had Guy Lafleur, he'd smoke half a pack of cigarettes before the game in the dressing room. You know, with his feet up in the air, laying on his back, and his feet up in the air with an ashtray.
2: <laughs> oh, Jesus!
5: And, and then he'd go skate. Then he'd go skate 100 miles an hour. It was right. Amazing.
1: He'd be one of the best guys out on the ice after a pack of cigs. Oh my God! I just imagined all. It's probably all your Russian teammates. I just feel like that was the the thing. Uh, they're just out there smoking, getting ready for the game, but. Uh, hey, listen, Ron, we're going to let you go. It's been a blast uh, talking to you, talking a little hockey and throwing it back. Uh, you had an awesome career uh, that spanned a long time. Uh, and, and as a fan of hockey, it was always fun watching you play, especially as a fan of the Blue Jackets. So we really thank you for joining us. Uh, as you make your way down from Canada, as you pass through Cleveland... Uh, you know, feel free. We could we could stop and have a beer. We don't have to drink Natural Light uh, when you do that. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then as you make your way to Alabama, Joey's down there in Nashville, so you got to pass through there as well. You can make a whole. Oh, I've been
5: to Nashville a couple of times. We rode down there. I actually I went with Fisher, Mike Fisher's a friend of mine, so he came out oh, riding us nice. on one day. Here. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. He, we got to go visit him and Carrie's new house they are building and stuff. And oh, yeah, I took all my motorcycle guys from Ohio there, and we went to Fisher's house and. It was it was amazing because he's from now Peterborough. I, now I want to from. buy
1: a motorcycle. <laughs>
5: yeah. see, I'm, I'm I live in Peterborough, and that's where Fisher's from, so I've known him for quite some time. But uh, but thanks for having me on, guys. The um, I had no choice; I had to take this because you guys are garage beers. So I said, "That's straight up." My well, own. I'm, I'm actually. About- this is I'm supposed to be going no beer all month, and my wife let me have one beer because I said, "Well, I have to make this legit." I have to make yeah, this legit, so yeah. I'm having. This is my only beer of the month. I'm still drinking like red wine and stuff, but I, I'm just not drinking beer. For so well, please, until well, I have please this pass one.
1: our thanks. Please pass our thanks on to Mrs. Tugnot for this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and 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 just because of. You saying you're rolling up to Mike Fisher's house, here, you rode down there. Uh, the picture I'm not going to be able to get out of my head for the rest of the night here, Ron, is uh, you guys rolling up in your badass Harleys with uh, probably <laughs> your leather vests on. And then here come trailing behind is Jean-Luc in his all-white jumpsuit. <laughs> in, 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 in an all-white crotch rocket. I don't know what his color his crotch rocket was. <laughs> just just petering up his driveway. So. I, I think it was
5: good Jean-Luc didn't make that trip. I don't, I don't, think I don't think Jean-Luc's a country fan anyway. Yeah. No. Mm. <laughs>
1: All right, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and hopefully we get to talk to you again down the line.
5: Awesome guys. Thanks for having me.
1: And once again, thank you very much to our special guest tonight, former Columbus Blue Jacket. And he also played for a whole bunch of other teams and, and dang near played for 20 years in the NHL the one and only Ron Tugnut. Uh, That was an awesome guys. That was great. That was so great. I I just remember from the early days of me watching hockey, watching Ron Tugnut in between the pipes uh, and one of the most unassuming professional athletes ever to play in sports, (laughs) Ron Tugnut. uh, And he was a great guy, Uh, an awesome interview. And again, we thank him very much for joining us up there from Canada. So guys, Let's talk that was about. a white whale for you, Mike. That was a white whale it was, for you. It was, it, <laughs> Ron Tugnut is legitimately one of my all-time favorite, uh, one of my favorite NHL players ever. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I think what you don't realize about Ron Tugnut is he was – there were a couple times where he was one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Ron Tugnut was just kind of a steady goalie. Mm -hmm. And then you look up Ron Tugnut and you look up like his career and his accolades to do what he did for the amount of time that he did it. Yeah. That in and of itself is incredibly impressive. So really cool to be able to have him on the podcast. We had a boatload of fun uh, uh, talking with him and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. So let's get off the hockey topic. It wouldn't be right for us to do a sports podcast uh, without at least talking for a minute about the Super Bowl, which happened mm-hmm. this past Sunday. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely, and Joey called this, absolutely, he didn't call this part, absolutely no. destroyed yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs in, yeah. uh-huh. in what turned out to be one of the most boring Super Bowls that I can remember.
2: Yeah, what,
3: Tom Brady's <laughs> Super Bowl is exciting, though.
1: I mean, the Falcons when they come back from a million points. Oh yeah! Okay. I mean, like I gotta the tell Seahawks. You what, the Seahawks where they intercept Russell Wilson at the end of the gate. Like,
3: you gotta stop betting against Tom. Like, I you have to,
1: you have to. You're yeah. right. You're
3: right. You, you got to stop betting against him. Like, it's just like the dude's gonna win, and everyone's like, oh, I love all the people that are like, oh, well, the refs lost the game for the Chiefs. And no, then,
2: no. Uh, are you kidding me? Not. The Tampa Bay defense won this game. They did absolutely. The, 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 the Tampa Bay defense won this game. Tom did what he had to do. He was efficient. He wasn't spectacular. He didn't have to be because that Tampa Bay defense, uh, with Mahomes missing his two bookend tackles, uh, just just disturbed Mahomes all night. They did an incredible job in coverage. That that Tampa Bay defense is who won this game for the Buccaneers, in my opinion.
1: Well, they showed you a couple things. As a Browns fan, I think the Tampa Bay defense showed you a couple of things. Mm -hmm. The Tampa Bay defense ran pretty similarly to what the Browns defense ran, just Mm -hmm. with a lot more talent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Tampa Bay defense doesn't bring in more than four rushers most of the time. And yet, their four rushers are so good that they were just in Patrick Mahomes' grill all game, all game long. There was never a drop back for Patrick Mahomes where he just had a clean pocket with no pressure. It was incredible. And then you have one, they've good players all over that defense, but one incredible linebacking effort.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: From an incredible player. That's something the Browns are missing. Right. And otherwise, those defensive backs just had to do their job. Yeah. That's the way yeah. the Browns are set up to play defense. The front four and maybe throw in a fifth pass rusher every once in a while, get in and get pressure. It's not going to be a blitz-heavy defense. That was not a blitz-heavy defense, and yet those guys were so good and got so much pressure on Mahomes that his life was miserable. That that was maybe – that's a top three defensive, especially considering the offense they went up against. It's a top three defensive performance in a Super Bowl ever.
2: Yeah, that was amazing. Man. I mean, would you be, would it would it have been different if Mahomes did have his two starting tackles? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, but that doesn't matter. You have, I mean, Eric Fisher was injured. You have to, you have, you, you play the hand that you're dealt. And Tampa Bay did a masterful job. And boy, oh boy, whoa. How good would Shaq Barrett look in brown and orange?
1: I've been thinking that ever since Sunday. Like, literally, <laughs> I haven't stopped. Like, I was putting our notes together for Ron Tugnut, and I was like, yeah, but Shaq Barrett would look good in the orange <laughs> <Yeah>. and brown.
2: <laughs> you, you, almost, you almost asked Ron Tugnut, how do you think feel about Shaq Barrett in yeah, right. brown and orange? <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Uh, it, was, it was incredible. And, and uh, Patrick Mahomes was also not the reason the Chiefs lost that game. Uh, the yep. offensive line was the reason the Chiefs lost that game. And the fact that the Chiefs' defense – again, I've been lauding the Chiefs' defense because against the Browns, they played really well. Against the Bills, they played really well. Those defensive backs were like glue onto those receivers. Uh, mm-hmm. Not so much in this game. They were not super great. I think they were just on
3: the field too much. That's true. So, I mean, uh, that's yeah. at least part of it.
2: And you know that thing like that even in a blowout loss where Mahomes – like statistically it, you know didn't stand out you know, on paper but some of those throws Oof. that he made falling over i mean with, with his well, head
1: the, the one hit his receiver in the face <laughs> with his head he was, with his, he was horizontal Yeah he hit his his receiver horizontal. in the face I know, the just, damn ball he was just so like
2: he he showed how special he was yeah and in a loss. He, he is, he is, and he's going to be in a blowout loss <laughs> yeah. In a blowout loss. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's He's going to be back. I mean, Chiefs are obviously going to be the favorite of the AFC next year. Again,
1: I've so never, not. I will say this. I have never liked Tom Brady more than I do right now. And it's for two reasons. One, when Teran Matthew got in his face, which was the dumbest thing, why would you do that? Tyran Matthew gets in Tom Brady's face, and Tom Brady went right back at him. Yeah. And you know, at the time he's winning his seventh Super Bowl, he's already got six Super Bowl rings, and you know what he's saying back at him about his rings and like you're trying to come at me and talk shit to me. Like, right. what are you doing? And then right. today, Tampa has their Super Bowl <laughs> boat parade today, and Tom Brady got so hammer drunk. <laughs> Videos everywhere of him being like carried around. He's throwing the Lombardi Trophy from his boat right. to another boat. Right, I, right. I've never been a huge Tom Brady fan. Actually, I spent most of Tom Brady's career. I spent arguing for Peyton Manning because I always thought Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was like having a coach at quarterback. That was Peyton Manning. You didn't even need an offensive coordinator. Just Peyton Manning was a coach quarterback. One of the best things I've ever seen. But Tom Brady. I spent most of my entire life talking about how I don't like Tom Brady. I I have no arguments now. There's no arguments. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. Listen, listen, the,
2: the, listen, the argument that there are more talented quarterbacks than Tom Brady still holds true. No matter how many Super Bowls that he wins, there's going to be, there's, there's, you can name 20 more talented quarterbacks than Tom Brady, but the guy is just so cerebral. He just competes. And he wins, and that and that's and that means more uh, than than a lot of talent. So, so, sometimes,
3: I, I love. There's a clip of Max Kellerman back. I think it dates back to like 2015, where each year he's like, Tom Brady is like washed up, retired. Like he should just turn it in. And he's won like two or three Super Bowls since he started making those comments. <laughs> and he said it every single year since. It's like, I like. What are you betting against him for, dude? Like until he says I'm done and I retired. That dude has as good of a chance to win a Super Bowl as anybody else in the league.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh Tom Brady has I can't remember what the number is, but it's like fourteen or eighteen percent of all Super Bowls have been won by Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. What? Tom I'm Brady's a Bronx a- fan.
2: We can't Bra- sniff
1: the Super Bowl.
2: Tom Brady's the first quarterback in NFL history, to win a Super Bowl in three separate decades. Oh, fuck. <laughs> in
1: three what, separate decades. What Super Bowl number was that? We can do quick math. 51? <laughs> yeah, No, 55. 55. That was 55. Okay. 55. He has yeah. seven. seven well,
3: uh, we'll round up. 13% of all Super Bowls, yeah, have been won by Tom Brady. And are, that's not even the
1: ones he's played in. <laughs> there are four <laughs> teams out there right now that have never even been to a Super Bowl. He yeah. has more wins than every franchise he actually uh that's that's another thing I saw. He has more Super Bowl wins than 18 NFL teams combined.
3: Well, and the yeah. most than any franchise cuz no franchise has Correct. seven Super Bowls. No Bowlers. franchise
1: has seven. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. It's, it's Br- Tom Brady da- falls out of a boat, he doesn't get wet. The water gets Tom Brady. Okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Shout out to Tom Brady. I I don't care if you don't like him. I don't care, you know, for whatever reason. I I get it, actually. I'm sick of Tom Brady. That doesn't change. I'm tired of Tom Brady. I don't want to ever see him win another Super Bowl. But at the same time, shit, 43 years old and you just did what you did. More power to you, man.
3: I saw a meme of this, this, but it's funny because we just watched Anchorman um, this past weekend. And at the very end of the first anchor man, when he's coming out of the bear pit on the ladder and Vince Vaughn comes up and like shakes yeah. it, he's like, he's like, Rob Burgundy. I hate you more than anything in the world. But he's like, but God damn it, I respect you and yeah. kisses him on the forehead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 All right. So Brady and the bucks win uh, their second super bowl for the bucks. Uh, but let's talk about two other things. One Pet peeve. I'm going to talk about a couple of pet peeves. I've already talked about one on the podcast. Let's talk about my second one. Pet peeve. The Super Bowl halftime show every year. Uh huh. I have to log off of social media during the halftime show. Uh-huh. Because it just is filled with the most unhappy people I've ever <laughs> seen in my whole life. Because every year it's the same goddamn people that are like, oh, this halftime show is terrible. It hasn't been good since nineteen eighty three. Like what? <laughs> what? Like what? why? Why? What? Just sit there and watch the halftime show. It's fine. I I watch the halftime show. I didn't even. I actually. I I don't think I even realized how many songs by the weekend I actually know. Like I don't right. think I even realized that. That's a few different people that's happened for me. Yeah. I uh-huh. thought that was. I thought it was fine. I thought it was cool. It was entertaining. Like. It was a good show. Okay. The songs were good. like, But yeah. it's the same people. If it's not fucking like Michael Jackson out there at the halftime show, they're just unhappy. The only thing I found weird about that halftime show is it
2: looked like the masks that they had on were like jockstraps. Like, that, that was a yeah. little weird.
3: I, I get the, the, the <laughs> point he was trying to make, but they were just like a little too
1: jockstrappy. <laughs> yeah, a little too jockstrappy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but that's fair. Right. Like, hey, decent halftime show. Maybe next year, less jockstrappy. Yeah, that's different than like <laughs> well, this was you know. the worst halftime show I've ever yeah.
2: seen. Yeah, no, I know what I know what you're saying there. Like, why why can't why can't the halftime show just be okay or be good? Like, why does it have to be the best or the
1: worst halftime show
2: that, well, that you've always, ever it, seen in your life?
1: It's always the same crowd. And again, I'm I'm I love. I love classic rock. I love classic rock. It's one of my favorite genres, but it's always the classic rock crowd. If it isn't, if it isn't the who or Tom Petty, which, you know, God rest his soul or whatever, then it's not, if it's any kind of like hip hop or R and B or pop or anything like that. No, it has to be like an 85 year old rock star. (laughs) <laughs> trotting out there with a guitar that has rheumatoid arthritis fingers can't even play anymore. That's the only way it can what, be good. That's, was that's it The proud.
3: Who that played like, I don't know, seven years ago or something yes. like that? Yeah. That was, I think, the worst show in the past 10 years. Yeah. Because at terrible. least, at least, because these artists aren't getting paid for these shows. I don't know if that's like super public, no, but they aren't getting no, paid for not. these shows. They actually end up putting like, I think The weekend put seven million of his own money into this show, right? Like this is right. something that they produce. Yeah. They benefit on the back end of the show. Right. Take a loss up front. The old like classic rock bands aren't going to do that. Like they aren't <laughs> going to put on a spectacle or a show. They're going to get center stage. They're going to use the budget that the NFL provides them for the Super Bowl or Pepsi or whatever. And they're going to play a set, cut the lights, and they'll leave. Like there is no production value to any of no. these older classic. I'm sorry. Like I love classic rock too, but I just don't think. If you're reaching a wide audience, I don't think that they're going to provide the best production and the best-looking show out of you know newer artists that might have cooler things to prove or cooler ideas to add to it.
2: Oh, but Joey, it's with with the classic rock genre. It's about the music. It's not about the lights. It's just about the music. Okay, let's just say most. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: just just, say most most of the people that I see. Oh, go ahead, Chad.
2: You're not going to see Tom Petty with a jock strap on his face. okay?
1: okay? okay? okay?
2: You're, you're going to see Tom Petty stand there, not even go to the, the other end of the stage. He's going to stand at the mic and play, okay? And it's about the music. Well,
3: well,
1: let's just say the people that are always doing this, always, if it's not a classic rock group or a country artist they don't like it and i'll let you draw your own conclusions from there oh boy oh boy moving on so the next thing here's the next and the last thing on the super bowl it was such a cool story at first and then it was like oh shit i knew that was too, too good to be true there was a streaker at the super bowl you wouldn't know it by watching the super bowl because tv never shows a streaker but there was a streaker at the super bowl some guy Goes down in like a borat bikini, strips off his clothes, runs into the end zone. If ends up getting ends up getting like atrociously tackled by the head uh, uh, and taken off, and the story comes out like the next day that this guy put fifty thousand dollars. His name is Yuri Andrade. He placed a bet for fifty thousand dollars on a prop bet. Uh, that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl, he said i 'm putting fifty thousand down, and then he went to the Super Bowl, and he was the streaker, and the news broke that his fifty thousand bet was going to pay him nearly four hundred thousand dollars yeah awesome what a what a bet here 's the problem: Mr. Andrade should have been a little smarter, and he should have kept that <laughs> shit under wraps that that was him. Because Bovada, which is where he placed his bet, saw his posts from being online and, like, whatever. And they said, wait a minute. Like, that's going to go against some of the rules of our bets. And they went ahead and canceled his bet. So that gentleman made zero dollars uh, from, from his insanely smart idea because he just couldn't keep himself off of social media.
2: Well, yeah. Why would you advertise it? I mean, there's, the the the, Bovada isn't gonna recognize you because you make those bets online. It's right. not like Bovada. Yeah, it's not like Bovada is 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 gonna be like, oh wow, that's a streaker. That that's the guy that put fifty thousand. What an idiot! <laughs> you just hear just out four hundred four hundred k now, because you couldn't bra- You couldn't not brag about it on the internet. Brag about it to all your friends. Brag right. about it to everybody at the bar. What What an idiot.
1: (laughs) It was that when that story came out, I was like, oh, this dude totally beat the system. What a 50,000. Then he then he goes to the game. He's a streaker. He makes a bunch of money. It all works out. And social media and the Internet strike again because the guy just couldn't help himself (laughs) from telling the world. And now he's out that money.
3: Uh, and that yeah. wasn't the only bet to get canceled. What was the other one? The national anthem, the over-under on oh, the national anthem. Oh, I saw anthem. that. Yeah, somebody yeah, took Bart, a video. If some, I think it was maybe uh, some, someone a media what? or something took the video, a reporter, and Barstool posted it. And, I mean, not even a half hour, hour after that, bet was taken down, which yep. I know a lot of my friends bet on those. They do all of those prop bets, and they're livid because they had it right. <laughs>
1: Like we took the over
2: on it. I do it. What, like over two minutes? Like what is that? Uh, what I
1: think it was over something? like a minute fifty something. And no, it was like 208 or was something it like that. 2.08? Yeah, because like if you go the regular rhythm of the national anthem, it's like 206, 208, like something like that. Now with their church singing it. But some jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, some somebody stood outside the stadium during the rehearsals and recorded themselves with a timer going. And it was like two minutes and 18 seconds. Like it was forever. And yeah, immediately it was like, well, that bet isn't going to happen. That's like,
3: I like, if you're going to do that, be a homie, share with your friends, don't post that. (laughs) Like don't let Barstool pick that up. Are you kidding me? Like you could be like the hero of your group of people of degenerate gamblers. But instead you got to root for everybody in the country that could place that prop bet.
1: I love all the degenerate gamblers though that were trying to like make excuses why the prop bet should they were like no no in rehearsal it takes longer but when you're actually on the stage and your adrenaline's going you sing it way faster like yeah.
3: uh, have you, know, you ever heard of a track they play too like
1: <laughs> that is how that just, goes it's just,
2: just, just less than the odds to plus 500 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fine
1: i just am not into i am not a degenerate gambler but poor poor Yuri Andrade man thought he had it made and instead uh I don't so does he I, he has to lose his 50 grand too right oh sure sure so he's out uh, 50 grand i bet maybe. he's out 50 grand he's definitely out a 1000 bucks because that's what it costs to get out of jail yeah. uh, so he's definitely out a 1000 he's probably out 51000 and he certainly did not win 400000 uh that's the bad news uh but the super bowl overall uh not the most exciting game in the world. Some fun stuff going on. I've, I like the halftime show. Uh, and, and boys, we're done with football until next.
2: Yeah, I'm guessing he. Uh, I'm guessing if he had fifty grand to just blow on a prop bet, I'm guessing he's uh, he's going to be okay.
1: He's probably fine, unless but, yeah. that was like his his 401k, <laughs> and he knew he was placing it on himself, <laughs> and maybe he's not okay. Yeah. Uh. Uh, But you know what? No football until uh, next year. But uh, here's the cool thing. As a Browns fan, what a great year we had this year and this Mm -hmm. offseason. I would imagine most every week we do this podcast this offseason. We're going to have something new to talk about with the Browns because uh, they know how close they are. And I would imagine Mm -hmm. this is going to be a pretty exciting offseason for us Browns fans. So. Uh Super Bowl done. We talked to Ron Tugnut. I think that's pretty much going to wrap things up for us. All we do here, uh one of our newer segments before we get out of here is oh. oh, hold the phone.
3: Hold the phone. We got something before the the new segment. Oh no,
1: doing. what do we got? What do we got?
3: I have a video, a mini game if you want. Oh, a
1: mini game. Let's a do mini a game. mini game. A mini yes. game
3: real quick. I saw this on TikTok. The guy's name is I'll plug him because I don't want to like steal his stuff. And <laughs> Zuck Tog Z-U-C-K-T-O-K. I don't really all know. right. Anyways, we'll he has a that. game that he plays. Is this person an NBA player? Or did they sign the Declaration of Independence? Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the video. The video does not reveal the results. Um, but we're gonna see if you guys can get this, all right. Do you you have the results, Joey? I do. I do, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, So I want to go ahead, and uh, if you're a work-from-home person, you're going to love this thing. I'm going to share my screen.
2: Ooh. Um,
3: Okay. So here – oh, and also he, like, gears this towards, like, girls. He's like, girls, see if you can get this. But it's like, dude, I I, I, I have no idea. Except (laughs) There's, like, one player I definitely know. Other than that, I have no clue. No, I
2: clue. love
1: it. I'm excited.
2: All right, here we go. <laughs> hey, ladies. Oh, God, here we go.
6: Girls, I want you to duet this video and tell me if you think the person I name is on this team or that they signed the Declaration of Independence. Ooh, got to go with Nicholas Claxton. Is he a benchwarmer who never plays or did he sign the Declaration of Independence? Ooh, I'm tempted to go with Edmund Sumner, but... A part of me knows that I probably should be smart here and take Carter Braxton.
1: Oh.
6: Langston Braxton. Nice. We can go with Langston oh, that's a, Galloway. That's a, he, he's, Is he a good combo guard who can get you buckets? That's an NBA player. Or did he sign the Declaration of that's Independence? That's an NBA player. Some defense now. A lot of these guys are sort of ball hogs, to be honest. Ooh, Spurs, Mr. Fundamental. Let's go with Thomas <laughs> Hayward Jr. Was he a nine-time All-Star in the <laughs> 2000s or was he a plantation owner in 1776? finished finish strong. oh Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billups. okay Was he the 2004 oh, yeah. Finals MVP, or did he sign the deck? You're gonna make that one easy. easy. I feel Chad like Chad
1: and I, Chad and I both definitely know that Chauncey Billups and Lang- uh, Langston Galloway are NBA players. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Like that's super easy. Yeah. What, the what other about the next ones? three? I don't know. So,
3: so, so Chauncey Billups, Langston Galloway, NBA players. You have Carter Braxton. Thomas Hayward Jr., Nicholas Claxton.
1: So let's start with Carter Braxton.
2: Brother of Tony Braxton. He's an NBA player.
1: Carter Braxton signed the Declaration of Independence.
3: Okay, so uh, Chad, you're saying NBA player. Mike, you're saying uh, um, Declaration of Independence? Correct. Yeah. He... Signed the Declaration of Independence oh, Yeah, He did Come, yes. on. Come on Yeah, he, he died in October 10th 19, or, I'm sorry
2: 1797 nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not <laughs> 19 uh, nope. uh, Alright Thomas you know Hayward what, Jr I'm going to say Declaration of Independence
1: I I'm I, I'm also going to say Declaration of Independence And you'd be right all right. I
3: say,
2: Jr. signed the Declaration of Independence? See, see, now that's see, now that's like more of a name from back then. I would think like you, like th- like names from back then is like oh John Smith or 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 Jim Jim I don't know Jim Reynolds. You know you wouldn't think like Carter Braxton of like a of a name from back then, but <laughs> yeah. Carter Braxton. Yeah,
3: uh, and so finally we have Nicholas Claxton,
2: NBA player. I'm going NBA player.
1: Yeah, so uh Nicholas Claxton played college b- basketball at the University of Georgia. Uh he is a NBA player for sure. Correct.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: So
3: that was pretty good. I thought I, was, I, shit, chat. I
1: thought that one was gonna get you. Because I, no. I think he's like a G League player, but I remember I remember specifically watching Nicholas Claxton uh, destroy Texas AM. Uh I don't remember how many years ago that was. But uh I thought that was going to get at you, but yeah, I, I totally Con- whiffed
3: on uh, most of those. So except Tomzy Phillips, <laughs> and I, I did get Nicholas Claxton right, but uh, to be honest, that's a guess.
2: Completely unrelated. Like I like I thought of the old to- old school NBA player Speedy Claxton, and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, probably an NBA. Oh, player. Speedy
1: Claxton. I wonder yeah. if they're related. I yeah. bet they are. Yeah. Uh, All right. That was a good game, though, Joe. Good game. Good yeah. contribution. Good game. Yeah, a yeah. hey player.
4: I saw that on my of own
1: when
3: I watched someone else's content that they created.
1: It so. reminds me of the old Adam Sandler skit. Are these guys working out <laughs>
2: or, or having or sex? Having
1: sex? <laughs> hey, how you doing? My name's Barry Lincoln.
2: <laughs> 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 <Huh>? <laughs> no, no, those no, two guys true. are
1: working out. Those two are doing butterfly curls. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, we're gonna end our show. We' are always we want to end the show on a positive note. uh, we're gonna do this moving forward. so we're gonna end it with our three cheers of the week. We're gonna send it around the horn. Each one of us is gonna give a cheer of the week. It doesn't have it can be sports. it doesn't have to be sports. Just be anything good that happened this week. uh so let's send it I think Joe's got his cheer of the work of the week ready. Let's send it to Joe.
3: You had me until you said it was good. um, comical,
1: I guess. Can we do you comical? It makes you smile. Does it make you smile?
3: <laughs> I, mean, yeah, right. I, I laughed at it. All right. uh, and this kind of goes back to, um, it's funny. Companies are making products that deter the wrong use of those products, right? So <laughs> a fun one is the Nintendo Switch. Sure. The cartridges... Are coated with this very, I forget what it's called. It's this is very like bitter thing that you put on your nails to like get you from stopping oh, your yeah. nails. If yeah, you yeah. touch a Nintendo Switch cartridge to your tongue, awful. They don't want kids to eat them. <laughs> Gorilla Glue had not figured that out. Oh no. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Gorilla Glue challenge, but uh, there was a girl in Louisiana who got a spray adhesive version of Gorilla Glue mixed up with hairspray.
2: Oh no. Sprayed
3: her head. With gorilla glue.
4: Oh, I so- saw <laughs> this is
3: like a week ago, uh-huh. and it's still stuck on her head. She's going oh. out to LA. There's a surgeon out there that's apparently gonna give her free surgery to help fix it. But <laughs> uh, you know, any with any like kind of like edgy, kind of controversial thing, there's always like a ripple effect. And so there's this other dude that's like, oh man, that's bullshit. Like I, I that didn't happen. This guy out of also Louisiana, I guess. Maybe oh no, don't go to Louisiana. But. um he put it on a solo cup and he's like, I'm going to put the solo cup on my lip. Oh no. And I'm just going to look off the gorilla glue. <laughs> well, he, he, like an hour later, had to go to the ER and they're working on getting the solo cup removed from his <laughs> lip because it's gorilla glue and it's permanent adhesive. It gets stuck. and doesn't come off. That's the whole point
2: of it. <laughs> She's going to see a surgeon that specializes in gorilla glue, glue removal.
1: Oh, so, so is your cheer of the week for the strength of gorilla glue then?
3: <laughs> eh, you know what like it,
1: it, it does next its time job. i
3: buy super glue i'm really gonna reconsider my options i usually stick to that little tube with the squeezy sides yes but honestly i gorilla glue is like getting the job done if you need surgery to get that
1: shit off like <laughs> all
2: right you got my business
1: go. <laughs> yeah all right cheer number one is for the just the adhesive bonding properties of gorilla glue uh absolutely joe chad what is your cheer of the week
2: uh well we mentioned it earlier i'm gonna go with tom brady Uh, and not just because he got hammered, but because he's quickly becoming a social media legend, like social, like just so awesome at social media. So anybody doesn't know he's, he's like the way he keeps his, uh, body still fit. It's all about pliability. He calls it the TV 12 system. And part of his nutrition plan is avocado ice cream. You know, when he's training for a, uh, is when he's training for uh, the season, Getting ready for the season. So anybody who didn't see the video today, Tom Brady went walking off the dog, off of his boat, just completely hammered. And sports center had a video of this and he, he quote tweeted it and said, nothing to see here. Just some avocado tequila. <laughs> and, and so, and he's just, he's, he's so self-deprecating And, yeah, it's just another reason to like Tom Brady when your team isn't playing him.
1: You know what? I think that was a good one. When I was thinking of my cheer of the week, that's the first thing that came into my head. I'm glad we texted beforehand because Tom Brady deserves it, man. Of everything he's gone through this last week and, and everything he's accomplished, get drunk on some crazy tequilas and party and throw the Lombardi Trophy and who gives a shit about where it winds up. Cheers correct. to it.
3: Well, and if you win seven Super Bowls, you might get mentioned on a uh, local Cleveland sports podcast.
1: Correct. Correct. Uh, Tom Brady, if you're listening uh, and, you, and you want to come on the podcast, we're happy to have you. Well, sponsor with uh, yeah. TB12. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so that leaves my cheer of the week, and I don't think anything has made me laugh more than this this week. So I'm going to take it over to TikTok. And two people on TikTok that have made me laugh nonstop – This week, the original post was from somebody named Steampunk Ferret. And Steampunk Ferret is a lady who said she posted something from Twitter. Now, again, the original Twitter is from Beauty Chicky or something like that. And it says, replace every vowel in your name with Oob, O-O-B. And so on Twitter, this Steampunk Ferret said that. And this guy named Viking9326 has just been nonstop doing it with like Game of Thrones characters, Star Wars characters, uh, Marvel comic characters. And it makes me tear up in laughter every time. So I would like to, in the style of this very funny new trend on TikTok, I would like to introduce you to my fellow co hosts of the Garage Beers podcast. Again, over on the east side of Cleveland, we got Chubid Movie Uber. (laughs) Chubid Movie Uber. I'm going to save the best for last. I Ooh. am Moob Chabooble, Kaboob Foob, Moob Chabooble, Kaboob Foob. But the best one, without question, down in Nashville, Tennessee.
3: Wait, real quick. Is is the Y considered a vowel in your... Uh... No, no, okay. it's not All as right, good that's if the Y's
1: a vowel. That's fair. Uh, the best one down in Nashville, Tennessee, is Jubooby, Woobaloobin. <laughs> Jubooby, <Jububy, laughs> Woobaloobin. <laughs> That's going to be my new Twitter handle. Again, yeah. go look that shit up online. Some of the stuff is so <laughs> funny. The Star Wars thing. Oh, my God. Just tell me to booby. So, for, uh, I think that's going to do it for us, boys. Anything else we got to throw out there before we get out of here? Episode 51. Oh. Boys, what would you do for 400K? Oh, Jesus. Like, like
3: am I getting in trouble for it?
1: Uh, pff, 400K. What would uh, you do for four? I would do nothing that gets me in trouble for Yeah, I, I can't get in nope. trouble for. Right, it, so what about,
2: that about a million dollars? Nope. A million? Yeah, no, I don't know. You wouldn't spend a night
1: in jail for a million dollars. I mean, I'd spend a night in j- it depends how how, how is that sticking to how is that sticking to my name afterwards?
2: <laughs> I well, I don't know. Like like okay, you're 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 the streaker. You're spending a night in jail and you have a million dollars waiting for you coming out because of that prop bet.
1: If if I knew for sure I was going to have a million dollars and it's a streaker, so it's going to be a very minor offense on my record. Yeah, uh, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah.
2: Like, I don't know. Like, I was just thinking about it. Like, I, I don't know. I would go like, if I'm thinking like in fear factor style, like there's, there's nothing I wouldn't at least like try to eat. Like if someone challenged me to eat something for a
1: million dollars.
2: Like, you know, how that... I think,
1: that, the, I think the interesting question, Chad, is like, how much money would it take for you to just like quit your job and like, okay, I'm good. 50 mil. Say 50 mil.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, 50, I would. 50 million.
1: Be, I, but it's, That's a great question. Cause I, I know people that are like, Ooh, a million dollars. I'm quitting my job. I'm like, fuck that yeah. a million dollars. I'm not quitting anything. That money no. has gone fast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a million dollars isn't what it was forty years ago. Nope. Uh, yeah, I've had that conversation a lot of times. A million, five million, ten. No, I'm working. You give me ten million, I, I'm gonna pay off a house and like pay off debt and put some money away for retirement, and and enjoy some of that money. But like, I'm still working.
2: Yeah, 50 million, I, mean, I might go on,
1: I think that's a good I mean, number, Chad.
2: I mean, I might go on a sweet fucking vacation with a
1: with with <laughs> with a, with a couple million dollars. But that's about all. The rest of it would just go away. I think I think fifty. And again, I I'm usually on the high side of my arguments. I think fifty is a little high. Like okay. I think I think if I had twenty million dollars just in the bank tomorrow, I'm mm-hmm. good. Like okay, all right. And I love Bye. my job, but like I But there, I think there's so many people. Like there's a lot of people that still listen. If I had a million dollars deposited in my bank account tomorrow, amazing. That's a ton of okay. money. That's a ton of money. Yeah. But I think there's still a lot of people that think like um, I can just you give me a million dollars one time and I can live the rest of my life. No. Nah. No. no you can't. Like what are no. you talking about?
2: Unless I mean unless you're single with no kids, you let you live in an apartment, like you you can make it last, I guess, but uh but uh yeah, I'm certainly not quitting anything.
1: Yeah. That's a good question. All right. I think that's going to do it for us, boys. We're going to get out of here. Episode 51. It's a wrap. Our thank you goes out to Ron Tugnut, an amazing guest. We had a great time with him. And as always, our thank you goes out to you, the listener. Thank you again for joining us on social media this week, giving us a good suggestion for our garage beers of the week. But that's going to wrap it up for us. So for for down there in Nashville, for Ju for Jububy for Chubit for Chubit over on the uh, on the east side of Cleveland I am Moob Jububal saying join us again next week episode 52 this has been the Garage Beers podcast cheers everybody